Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you Jay Fazette. Now, I met Jay several years ago and it feels like an eternity. This guy is so fun and has got such a great energy, but he's done some fabulous things if moving from the personal development space into a whole new market that we're really discovering now about how to mastermind and share wisdom to grow our ideas even bigger. So I just want to welcome you, Jay, and thank you for joining us on the show today. Heidi, I really appreciate being here. I'm totally looking forward to this conversation. It is uh, something that uh, as the you know parent of a couple of boys and this evolving technology thing, it, it's a conversation we have a lot in our house. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, that's one piece that is really exciting to see how the different generations engage with technology and how it changes sort of their whole idea of what's out there in the world. We'll go back to the uh, personal side because I want to really learn more about sort of your evolution and how you got to where you are now. Can you tell our, our digital sulfurs a little bit more about who is Jay and where you've been? Certainly. Um, so short version is I'm a, a Canadian almost farm kid who uh, about 30 years ago got engaged in the intense personal transformation world. For you know almost uh, 25 years, we've had 40,000 people go through our intense processes where quite literally one of the ground rules was you leave technology at the door. You come in and there are no distractions. You are present in your body, heart, mind, and soul to discover what's going on with your beliefs, what's going on in your relationships, what's going on in your world. So I did that uh, for about 25 years, and, and there's still a part of my business that does that, to in the last, well, let's call it seven or eight years, to actually delivering the vast majority of my courses, programs, content uh, to my clients digitally uh, in terms of we have a variety of online programs. Oh, excuse me, uh, from our Launcher Mastermind 90 Day Bootcamp to our Joint Venture Success System, where most of what we do now, um, at least at the intro stages, is actually done online and digitally, which um, boggles me. Now, uh, the core question you asked me is how I got there. Here's how I got there, is that we would do 200 events plus or minus a year in three different cities in Western Canada. And I began to notice, at least the marketing said, there were people who were sitting at home in their fuzzy slippers, drinking a coffee, sending an email or two, making $18 billion. And I thought, that sounds easier than what I'm doing. Clearly, I was wrong, but it sounded easier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so true. I mean, it does sound easy, but it, there's a lot more to it, isn't there? Well, there's a lot of stories there, but I'll, I'll just give you one little snippet of it is that the transition from face-to-face, heart-to-heart, all the rest of it to online was two and a half years of the most taxing and challenging times of my life because I didn't like how much of the stuff was done online. And I was pretty certain that what we'd done for decades in the classroom would translate and would be more successful online. And the long and the short of it, it wasn't and it isn't. And it takes two very different uh, set of approaches, two very different strategies, two very different skill sets to make what works in a classroom work and to make what works online work. And uh, that was a a very difficult and expensive learning curve for me. (laughs) 
Do you find that you've over, because you've now been doing it for quite a while with this sort of hybrid model, because I know you still do some face-to-face things. Do you find that you have gotten more of a sense of how to make that flow so you can still have that personal touch, but through the, through a mediated means of technology? Well, I found what I'm, I want to qualify as the sweet spot for me in my organization. I'm not saying that this is universally true, uh, but I do a bunch of consulting with a bunch of organizations that when they adopt this, their life gets easier. So here, here's how I choose to view it, is that the digital domain is a beautiful, stunning, miraculous tool for finding my tribe and communicating my message and getting the entry-level conversation started. I mean, it has never been easier in the history of the world to find our people. That's the great news. But we don't find that it is as significant or as powerful a means for actually communicating the nuance for the facilitator training, for the heart-to-heart and the face-to-face. So here's how I choose to look at it, which is our online work is about awareness, building relationship, and the beginning of client acquisition. The high-level delivery work we do still probably 75% in person with a, a digital bolster in terms of connection and consistency and all of those pieces. But really, in the big picture, find the clients online um, and convert them online and then serve them with the sort of deeper needs face-to-face and heart-to-heart. And those two things together has truly been a home run for us in not just one brand, but in all of our brands. I think that's such a powerful statement to actually talk about that integration of the two. And it's not an either or, but they each have their real strengths in how they can support our businesses, support our ability to not be in too many places at once and to, you know, do all of those different things. Have you found that there's any particular like sort of magic bullet for you in terms of a percentage of sort of what that transition is or oh, it, does it really vary on, on uh that that's a really good question that I don't have a really good answer for <laughs> Come on. Um, because there's an element to that question that I think is needs to be considered which is this what is the depth or what is the level of training that is necessary. So for example, and I'm just going to use uh, joint ventures and JVology and all those pieces. What I know is, uh, and we've got an event coming up at the end of, uh, at, at the end of November. What I know is that if I put those, let's call it 75 or 80 people in the room and we can create the environment for a meaningful conversation where people can see each other, give them a handshake or a hug or whatever it is. If that transpires, I can actually successfully connect people with three to seven joint venture partners. And it's done in two and a half days, three days. Whereas one of our programs is a monthly thing called the JVology Global Lounge, where people will come and do joint venture invitations, which we teach them how to do at that, at that event. And, you know, you could do joint venture invitations for an entire year online and get nothing. My, my point in, in saying that I don't have a ratio for you is that I think it really depends on what we're talking about. And, and if it is one of those pieces where it's a high, we need a high degree of trust, I need to uh, really get that you're in alignment with serving my tribe, that this isn't like a money grab, that like all of those, I'm going to call them the millions of nuanced ways that we filter and connect with other human beings, that being online is a reasonable facsimile of, but it's not exactly the same. We can't move as far as fast in that type of a, in that type of a process. 
Whereas the transfer of information, well, heck, we can move 10 times as fast online because you can do it when you want, where you want, how you want with just the salient bits of data. And we can get that stuff going and get on your way. This is how you write an invitation. So I can teach them how to write an invitation probably faster online than I can in person. But to get somebody to say yes to it, that's the different thing. So anyway, that was a long answer to say, I don't know the answer. It has to be put into context of what is the objective and what is truly necessary for the connection or the transfer of information. Well, and I, th- I mean, it sounds like what it really comes down to is the level of trust as to how do people develop that trust and what is it that you're actually transacting on. And for those of you who are not working in this space and you don't understand what JV and joint ventures are, this is really specific to sort of subject matter experts and people that are providing services for subject matter experts as well. You know, that whole space is really evolving and changing. And I think that they're one of the things, at least in the short time that I've been involved in this space is to really see that it's very crowded. And so it's hard to, you know, to really understand how to develop that trust in a different way, because I think that that's been a big challenge. Um, even for me coming into this space, I'm a skeptic and I'm a, you know, I'm a skeptic. I'm a scientist. It's like, show me what you can do. Don't just tell me. I know, you know, you can rip out all these buzzwords and write these fancy emails. And to me, it's all noise. I want to know why I, you know, what you actually do and whether you're credible and whether I can trust you. And it seems like the more you learn about how the system works, the less credible everybody seems. I I think that that's where, like you were talking about that face-to-face, heart-to-heart, opportunity where you can really look someone in the eyes and say like, I mean, and and granted, you can do that over Zoom, but in an email, it's pretty hard to trust the integrity of what someone's saying. And I know that I have a, well, I was going to say potentially warped view, but let's just call it a warped view. (laughs) I know that I have a warped view, which is I've spent days and hundreds of thousands of hours in classrooms with over 40,000 people. And in that exposure, I can pick up nuance that I can't in person that I just can't hear. Um, like I can get a sense of it, but it's just not the same. And, and maybe that's just simply how my radar is tuned after 30 years and 40,000 people. But there, there is some strength to that. Now, here's an interesting piece uh, because, yes, credibility and consistency and all of those pieces is unbelievably important. I'm a Canadian and I remember starting to travel to the U.S. to some of these events, trying to figure out these whole pieces because I don't trust the email and I don't trust the webinar. I need to go and sit in the person's classroom and shake their hand and watch how they treat people. And, and that's what I need to do to know. Uh, so when I started doing that, I came back and a couple of my clients was like, so what's it like there? So what's going on? Like, how do they know? And it's like, well, I, I didn't know how else to say it except say it's like, well, in this space, at least at the events that I've gone to, is that there's a whole bunch of people who have a whole bunch more hat than cattle. such a canadian way of saying it but yes i agree (laughs) um so just on that note though here here's here's a project i'm working on that that i'm excited about because i'm trying to figure out and, and i don't know what the answer is i don't know that anybody does but i'm trying to figure out how do you balance the best of both worlds this idea of the digital and the and the face to face so we're actually in the midst of launching something that's never really been done before, particularly in this space, which is 
think of it as a chapters, local chapters. So we've got the face-to-face, the heart-to-heart, all those sorts of things. So if you were to think of it as like startup grind, eWomen's network and BNI got together and had a baby. So that, that would be what we would call JVology, the perfect mix of people, fun and profit. And they'll have all of these regional chapters. But I, what I know is that the regional chapter model really struggles because of sort of uh, pockets of influence um, no bigger vision that ties it together, except maybe an annual conference, those sorts of things. So we're actually in the process of of designing a piece of software and an app that becomes the backbone of the chapters that handles training, that identifies through a belting and gamification system, handles uh, this piece of, so who can deliver what they say they can deliver? So are you a Facebook 25? Are you a webinar 100? Are you a live uh, or in, an in-person 50? meaning that you'll get belted or certified at particular levels of performance. So then it's like, look, I can count on their deliverable. Now the question becomes, are our missions aligned? Do I like you? All of those pieces. And then we want to leverage that software from great. We've got a good local tribe. Now, what about if I get off the plane? You know, if some of us were so lucky as to have a home in France, what if I were to get off the plane in France and say, Hey, who is a mover and shaker here? that the software would help me identify that. So, so that's just one more example of how we're trying to blend it. It's going to start with the face-to-face, but the backbone is going to be the digital connection and software and community. I love that. And I think, I don't know if you know my history, but I uh, probably about 10 years ago now had developed a uh, professional women's network for, it was for professional women who travel a lot to connect with other professional women for resources on sort of say, you know, I'm going to be in Paris for two weeks and I need to know where to find a dry cleaner or a shared working space or different things like that. So it was more sort of you're constantly on the move, but in each place, it's nice to have a friendly face, but it's also nice to be able to get trusted resources from people that are like you. And it was set up in a way that it would capture your uh, your interests so that you could also get fed things that were relevant to you. So like the systems are now, but it was sort of an early stage of AI, far more algorithm-based because we didn't really have the AI. I mean, ultimately, it's the same thing. It's you want to connect with people that are credible, that are trustworthy, that can help you in a place where you need that extra assistance, whether it's as a JV partnership or whether it's just getting local tips on the best restaurant. There's so much amazing things, so many amazing things that are happening, both in the AI space, but also in this space of where where you are in finding ways to use that technology to help connect people in a good way, in a very positive way. Yeah. There's also the side of you're connecting people. Does that mean that you're also people are going to be able to hack the system? It's kind of like with Facebook ads or with all these other things where you may create more noise because people realize, oh, well, this is how I get a better rating because, you know, they're a Facebook expert. So they've already figured out how to hack the system, right? So isn't there the risk that they might do the same thing with your system? You know what? I'm sure that's true, but I think this is this is also a part of my optimism about humanity, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is um, I, I think two things would transpire. It's, it's entirely possible, and might might it give somebody an advantage for a while? But I, I have a pretty fervent belief that that those types of behaviors always catch up. Yeah. Like they they just always catch up, and that it's. And I don't mean this in in a flippant way, but it's sort of like a so what. 
the jerks or the asses get filtered eventually, no matter what. And we could spend an inordinate amount of time and money trying to foolproof the system. Um, or we can just acknowledge that we always see the fools eventually and they will take care of themselves. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And to be clear, I actually have faith in humanity. It's just yeah. the type of questions that I get a lot where people say, well, there's always a way to hack the system. And it's my belief that technology isn't inherently bad. But when you put technology in the hands of bad people, they get the same kind of exponential power as a good person does. So let's try to encourage more good behavior rather than being worried about whether the technology does something because Mm -hmm. the technology is, is really just a tool. Yes. And, and if we focus on humanity, we can create better ways of using the tools. I love what you're doing. And for those that are out there listening that don't understand what JV and masterminds are, can you just give like your little two bit deal on there so they understand <laughs> the language that you're using? Yes, because it, it is two of our uh, it is two of our core brands. And and I think I'm going to answer the, the question, Heidi, in a I'm going to just back up the bus a little bit, which sure. is this is that. Our personal development uh, company, which is called The Creator's Code, uh, Mastermind to Millions, JVology, the perfect mix of people, fun, and profit, there's a golden thread. And sometimes people look at me like I'm you know, somewhat psychotic with those three brands, which well, they might not be wrong, but that's a different conversation. It's like, what the hell have they got to do with one another? And the answer to that question is actually very simple and straightforward, which is what I have done and what my team has done quite literally for over 30 years is that we help entrepreneurs and individuals create conscious communities of choice. And the truth of the matter is that as technology grows and becomes more prevalent that we are addicted to these little crazy things, as that occurs, there's a deep, deep yearning within us for true connection, not pseudo connection. And what we have done for 30 years, I think is more important today than it has ever been, which is for us to recognize it's like, this is a beautiful and powerful tool to stay in touch but it doesn't replace human intimacy. It doesn't replace a hug. It doesn't replace my boy coming off the hockey ice and uh, giving me a high five as he did last night. Like that's irreplaceable and this will never do that ever. So those brands all are about how do we create these conscious communities of choice, our family, our tribe, our business, our, you insert the blanks, however you want to think about it. So here's what a mastermind is. A mastermind is a group of people that come together to stand for the best in one another and to share network, wisdom, resources, and experiences to accelerate the attainment of each individual's mission. And what it's just a way of accessing, um, frankly, if there's 10 people in the group, to 10x our resources. That simple. And if we can do that in a meaningful and powerful way, uh, we accomplish, and, and I have clients that all income levels at all, you know, from the private family office, all the way to starting entrepreneur bootstrapping 97 bucks a month, right? So it's everything in between. But when we do it well, people create results and experiences that would have taken months, years, decades, perhaps never, and accomplish them sometimes in days and weeks. And that's not uncommon. So quite literally what a mastermind is, and one of these conscious communities of choice, it quite literally bends time. Joint ventures isn't really any different, except it is more aimed specifically at business, which is I have a particular product, service, and experience. There are people in the world that their business, quite frankly, prepares 
people for mine. So we might as well work together. And when people are done with me, there's a bunch of people that they need a next step. I might as well organize how do I introduce them there. And instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and be this independent cowboy uh, in the entrepreneurial world, what if we just came together and served and supported one another? And traditionally, in those cases, we can, number one, we, we call it the perfect mix of people, fun, and profit, because if we have the right people and we're enjoying ourselves serving our tribe, um, it makes an incredible amount of money and contributes a ton of value. So that's that's the short answer to those two questions, ish. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ish part. I think yes. that, and, and I think, you know, for those who are not familiar with sort of the joint venture on the, on the subject matter expert space, I think what helped me understand that concept was sort of putting it in a different terminology. It's very similar to sort of an affiliate or ambassador relationship in that, that, that it's sort of like, you know, look, I believe in what you're doing and I think it provides value and it can provide value to the same audience that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and vice versa. And so you have this sort of win-win relationship where you basically cross promote and, and as a result, both of your businesses thrive and your consumers, your clients, whatever also benefits. So it becomes this sort of cycle of, of, uh, win-win. Yes, precisely. And, oh. uh, and we always say, we call it a triple win is that when we do them well, first and foremost, the client wins, our partner wins, and we win. Yeah. And it helps all of us move forward faster. One of the things if that it, it, sometimes it helps to use an example outside of the digital space, if we've got like two minutes for a quick little example. Sure. So uh, the fa we were at Whistler because my oldest likes to mountain bike uh, for, for the summer. And uh, there's, you know, there's 10,000 restaurants in Whistler Olympic Village, and they've got the people out front hawking the, the menus and making reservations and all that stuff. Anyway, we're at this one place and, and uh, this young girl sees the family go by and she says, hey, you guys want to see a movie tonight? And it's like, my kids are like, yeah. But there was a great joint venture, which was there was dinner and a movie. So for 20 bucks, you go to this place for dinner and you get there at a particular time. When you buy dinner there and buy a drink there, they give you a ticket for the movie theater, which is directly across the hall. And they started that in their slow times because that particular restaurant was more of a, a locals place. But they just have this fantastic JV, which fills the restaurant, fills the theater, and they both quite frankly, print money out of it because it was they both had underutilized uh, capacity. So that's just a simple version as well. If we start thinking about it, it's like, why, why would we have a two independent things going on when we could just market that together, which is what they did and they knock it out of the park. I love it. I'm going to take this opportunity to actually share one of my affiliates who I have this wonderful relationship with and um, by promoting their products, which I think are fabulous and really have helped me, it, it basically helps support this show. And so that's really a win-win in that it's some, it's a product that I use and I think my listeners can absolutely use and it's called Oscar. And it's this wonderful device. A lot of people, whether you're sitting in your car, sitting at your desk, you sit too much. And this has become a big problem when we're all dealing with technology and we're delivering most of our products and services through online means, we sit too much and that causes chronic pain. We get all kinds of other issues that are getting in the way. And this is a, a portable PEMF device. It's pulsed electromagnetic frequency. So instead of us taking all kinds of pills to deal with our chronic pain, we actually put this device near us for about 20 minutes and it'll actually 
dissipate the pain, which is pretty amazing. It's like an opiate-free device that's actually been a very powerful tool for me because I was living on all kinds of ibuprofen and all kinds of other things, which was making my liver toxic. So anyway, for those of you who are interested in learning more about it, there'll be inter- there'll be information on the show notes. You can go to Oscar Wellness and use my code 2BU to get your discount. And by buying the device, you not only get a discount, but you also contribute to supporting this show. So that's the type of affiliate thing that would be similar to you know, to a JV or to something like that, because it's really win-win. They get the word out more about their product. We get support for our show and our listeners get this great tool to take them off of opiates so that they relieve their pain. So I think there's, you know, that's just a one type of an example, but I think it's important to recognize that JVing or affiliates can come in so many different formats, whether it's you know, two businesses that are right next to each other that do something different, but invite the same type of clientele, or whether it's, you know, you're an internet developer or Facebook developer, and somebody else's subject matter expert, it's all the same kind of relationship. It's all about creating win win. And the the three cycle, as you were saying. Well, and you know what I love about that example? Um, Number one, uh, back pain is inordinately huge and growing these days. So it, so it serves a very valuable purpose. Um, but, but this is the other part that is quite exciting to me is that these types of relationships with social media, with podcast, uh, with uh, the internet, with Facebook, with you know, all those pieces, it has never been easier to create those relationships, manage those relationships, and contribute and monetize in ways that truly didn't exist even seven years ago, it just didn't exist. It was like, we could do a joint venture, but then we're going to have to like shake hands and hope somebody follows it up and hope somebody pays and hope somebody like, I mean, it was just, it didn't really work in a substantial manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and today it's as simple as opening up your web browser and clicking on a link and ta-da, it's done. So it, it, it is, uh, the opportunities are, are boggling and exciting. You are. And I'm curious because this is so one thing that was fascinating to me when I sort of became part of this subject matter expert community is, I guess, the best way for me to describe it. I mean, I've been a subject matter expert for years, but never really knew this space. I was always a consultant in an organization. It was much more sort of corporate. Um, But in this space, and this is part of sort of where I sort of learned about the JVing thing, but it left me with a little bit of bad taste. And it's sort of this mm-hmm. email thing where mm-hmm. there's the exchange of lists or access to lists. And we're all getting this incredible abundance of emails that just clog. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a I'm huge... sorry, that, that's the best way ever, an abundance of emails. It's there, just, there's other ways to say that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be polite. As I said, I try to keep this from being explicit. Um, so it's, you know, it's just this ridiculous level to the point where we miss the critical information and miss critical emails because we're so busy clearing out all of the stuff that, and it's all very trickily worded. So you're like, oh, this looks, this is something I have to respond to because it was sent from my friend Jay and Jay really knows, he knows me and he knows that I need this, you know, I, this is something, and then you open it up and it's like a link to somebody's new program or whatever. It's like, I don't have time for this. And not to say that there's not great content out there. There's actually a lot of incredible content. But what do you do 
personally in your business to to filter that so that you can focus on what's really important? Do you, do you want the internal answer or the official answer? Both. <laughs> okay. So here's the internal answer, which is probably not appropriate big picture for many people, but th- this is the honest God truth is my response is I send emails. I don't read emails. If you want to contact me, uh, phone me, text me, Facebook message me. Um, that's, that's the truth of it is, is my email inbox is a necessary evil that I, you know, I, I wish I could show you my screen right now because my unread emails currently are 34,000. Yeah. It's, it's it, common. It's very yeah, common. It, it, it's all but irrelevant to me in all seriousness. And that doesn't mean that it isn't a powerful tool. And we still send emails and I, and actually I have a handful of people. It's like, Oh, Bob sent me something. I'm going to take a peek. I expect, unless it's coming from my mom, my mother, uh, or my, uh, my sister or my wife, for the most part, if it comes in email, I expect it to either be a bill or an offer. No, seriously, that's, that's the honest God truth. And, and truly, I would strongly suggest that most people start thinking about it that way because any other expectation is, in this day and age of internet marketing, kind of inappropriate. Unless it's coming from your family, or maybe if it is coming from your family members, it's a bill. Um, <laughs> but, but that's really my expectation. And that if there's going to be a, a meaningful interaction outside of that, that's likely going to happen in a different way. But that's an but, interesting dichotomy that you're talking about because you say you send emails. So mm-hmm. you're creating the noise. Mm-hmm. Contributing, but, yeah. But you, or yeah, contributing to the noise, yeah. but you filter it yourself. And, totally. and, and uh, I mean, I find even, for example, I don't even answer my phone if I don't recognize the phone number anymore mm-hmm. because of the same thing. There's so many robocalls that I've basically said to everybody, if you need to reach me and I don't know your phone number, text me first and tell me that you're calling. Otherwise, I won't mm-hmm. pick it up or just yes. leave a voicemail and I'll call you back because I don't have the time to sit there and listen to the pause. Oh, you need this offer, blah, 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 or vote well, for. <laughs> and, and on that same note of, of managing what we'll call the interruptions or the deluge is my phone doesn't ring. There are no buzzers. There are no notifications. There is, there is nothing. I'll tell you one thing that I, a little bit of technology I do like is this watch because I set the, <laughs> I set it to tap me for just the people and the messages that are important. So I don't answer any call unless it's my family. So if my boys or my dear wife calls and pretty much doesn't matter what I'm doing, I stop and I answer those calls and I don't answer any others. Yeah, any no, others. I, I'm exactly the same way. And I actually use the Apple watch for that same purpose is that I just get the, the tap on the wrist. If it's somebody, you know, in my favorites in my contact list, it'll yeah. tap through. And if it, if they ring a second time, it'll actually ring on my watch, which is kind of funny. I don't know if you've ever experienced having to answer the phone on your wrist, yes. but it's a very, I can't, I can't Maxwell quite, smart. Yeah. Can't quite <laughs> get into that yet. I mean, it's, it feels very awkward. And of course my family thinks it's hysterical because I'm the tech geek. So they're like, <laughs> Oh, she is just talking to her wrist again. But if you think about it, it's your shoe. <laughs> I know, but it, but it wasn't that long ago that when if someone was like standing talking, that we thought, oh my god, they're they're a little bit crazy, and then you realize they were wearing, mm-hmm. you know, a Bluetooth headset. Yep. And I mean, it really wasn't that long. It was like the little jawbones. Remember I, I had those. Yeah, and I remember the first couple times you saw someone like sitting in their car talking, and you're like. Oh, they're a little bit, a little bit off. Something's, you know, I hope they're singing music or something. <laughs> but it really wasn't that long ago that we had that 
you know, that feeling. And now we see someone talking to themselves. We're like, oh, they're on the phone. They may be crazy, but they're, they they're probably on the aren't. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the core of your question, just going back to that, that yes. how do I manage is that I believe that all of us must get very conscious and diligent about how we filter. And, you know, this, and by the way, I have zero guilt about utilizing email for communication methods. Um, meaning that we send people who opted in for our free stuff. Um, we try to match what they said they were interested in with what we send them to the best of our abilities. We're imperfect at it, but we do our damnedest to do that when we're doing long-term campaigns. Like, Hey, if you don't want to hear about this, click here. So you don't like, like we try to be as respectful as possible about it. But the, the honest, good truth is just because I don't respond to email doesn't mean that there are, you know, we send, if we send a hundred thousand emails out of that, generally speaking, 35,000 plus or minus people open it and probably half of them scan or read it. Um, so that's still an incredibly powerful communication tool. Just one I don't use. Absolutely. The, and I didn't mean to say that you were, you were the noise or. No, or I know. To, I, I, I totally <laughs> understand, but, but I, I will continue as a, as a entrepreneur to use any and all means of communication that can get my message in front of the right person. And email is a little bit willy nilly in terms of the right piece, but, but it is one of those elements that, you know, at JVology live, for example, we spend probably there's a whole 90 minute say, uh, segment on it about how it is necessary for us as entrepreneurs to become multi-channel communicators. So that means you, you, Facebook messenger, email, phone, uh, website, uh, I'm missing 14 others. Oh, social media, faith, like we, we have to be multi-channel because just because we might have a hundred thousand people on our list, um, they're in different places at different times for different reasons. And honest to goodness, we need to figure out which channels we're going to use and then use them for goodness sakes. Um, and at the same time on the receiving side, we need to filter what channels we're going to pay attention to and how insert Apple watch and protect our time, our privacy and our intimacy with the human beings who are actually present in our, in our conscious communities of choice. Well, in speaking of your conscious communities of choice, obviously your family, which I, I love your bio because you have the greatest comments. I, I, can I just read this? Cause I think people sure. will really be entertained. I was like pulling up your bio. I'm like, seriously? Okay. I know Jay. So this makes sense. But best-selling author, student of human nature and outdoorsman at five-star hotels speaks fluent, smart ass can see and reflect your life mission in five minutes flat, loves having two sons so he can play with their toys, still fantasy about his wife after 25 years, loves ideas, but loves results even more, can simultaneously laugh and cry for different reasons at the same time, <laughs> has never been starstruck, but did not get a chance to meet Martin Luther King. And there would have been a teenage girl screaming if I had. I, I just, you, it's so perfect. And it's so you. <laughs> It really resounds the the energy that you believe in the power of real connection. And that's something that connection and fun. And that's something that I'm trying to reintroduce to my life because I got way too serious. So before we close out, I want to make sure that I ask you my most important question is how do you find digital life balance or life balance amongst all of this craziness where you can stay connected to your sense of self and your family? I love that question. I wish I had a good answer. I, and and I, I really don't think that I do, Heidi. 
I, I sort of have this belief that balance is BS to some degree. Okay. Um, and, and what that means to me in, in the answering this question is that when I work, I am highly connected and in front of this screen and, or in front of, of people and all of those pieces, but I, and that's like quite encompassing. But at the same time, I do my damnedest to take my entire summers off with family. So we jump in the vehicle or in the plane and go on adventures uh, for summer. I take a month off at Christmas. And those times are designed to the very best of our ability to be as tech free as possible. And that's not, I'm not talking about we're going on a, uh, you know, a tech diet. I'm talking about it's like, if you need to use the GPS, of course you use the GPS, but we're not fooling around in the computers. It is not, that's not what it's aimed for. So I don't know that that's really great balance because we're kind of all in or sort of all out. And that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, but I think the answer to my question, even as I'm saying this out loud, and I wish I was more articulate about this, is that we believe we are striving for a time and a place. And that if there is a purpose for the technology, then for goodness sake, we should be using it. And the purpose is making a living, providing for my family, doing the stuff that needs to be done. If the purpose is hanging out with family and enjoying one another, it probably just doesn't have a place. So I think we lean more on this idea of how do we have it do our best to facilitate the experiences that we want without getting in the way too much, which by the way, I still battle with my boys about screen time. Make no mistake, we do not have this thing figured out. But it's more this time, place, and purpose and recognizing that it's beautiful for a multitude of things. And it is distancing for far too many things. And, and that's our balancing attempt. And I, I, I'm in great quotation marks, attempt. What I can tell you is this, is that in the, our family times where it's like, okay, there's no Xbox, there is no, uh, there is no iPad, there is no phone for the sake of just being on the phone, is that there's usually like three days of, you know, um, <laughs> seriously, it's like, like yeah, I'm familiar what? with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's like three days of that. And then we sort of fall into this amazing, beautiful sync thing. That is what I, you know, romanticize as more of what my childhood was like and more of what it was like being around my family. And I love those times. Like I really, really love those times. Everybody has to find their different way and, and it's constantly changing and as our kids evolve and have different needs or things that pull them into different directions, we have to sort of evolve with them. I think, you know, those of us that are in that sandwich generation have like the ultimate challenge of sort of trying to figure out not only how we evolve with technology, but also how our children evolve with technology so that it's not destructive to them, but also how our parents can connect with technology so that they don't lose touch with the okay. rest of the world. I got to show you something. Just wait one second. This, this is just be right back. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. This is an audio podcast. Where are you going, Jay? <laughs> so, all right. I, I wasn't gone from. So I am terrified and horrified because tomorrow is my 70, which should be 78 tomorrow. My mother's 78th birthday. And here's her present. Ah, she's getting an iPhone. Yes. And, uh, what that really means is I have about a four month process ahead of me. It was like, Hey, how do I turn it on? Hey, this thing is <laughs> like, like, it's going to be, it's going to be painful. Like I, I, I believe it'll be better in the end, but these four months, it's like, I'm trying to figure out like, who can I get her to phone? 
Has she ever used an iPad? No. Okay. Because we pretty, started. She's actually pretty handy with a laptop, but the iPad, no. Okay. So, well, we started my dad on an iPad, and when I gave him the iPhone, I said, it's "Just a mini version," and it just yeah. had. Now it does phones, phone calls as well. See, I, I could have. I have an iPad. I could give her anyway. So she gets this tomorrow, and I get uh, seventeen calls a day starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yes, the sandwich generation is a big deal. I did that just made me laugh when you were saying that. Yeah, well, and that's why, you know, being able to screen your calls is kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> Turning off the ringer sometimes. She's one uh, I let through. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you can you can be selective. You can you can put it in airplane mode when you're in an important meeting. No, but I think that it is ultimately a challenge and and helping them learn how to balance, not only how to use, but also how to balance. It's it's actually some of the technology is fortunately designed so well that they that it the learning how to use part is really not that complicated, but learning the etiquette is hard. You know, I think about, for example, my father, when he's on Facebook, he's getting better, but he doesn't really understand that when he posts something or replies to something, He's everybody. He's replying to everybody. <laughs> you know that everybody sees that. So sometimes, you know, he's got a very dry sense of humor. Sometimes it just doesn't really work unless you know the context. So you know, we're working on that. But kids can be the same way. Fortunately, they're not really on Facebook, so <laughs> it's okay. Well, yeah, it's going to be fun. But I, be fun. I, here, here's the part that I really appreciate about this conversation, Heidi, is that the truth is this has happened quickly. You know, uh, I'm, well, I'll be 52 shortly. Um, and I've always considered myself fairly technology handy. But this perpetual connection and accessibility and 17 ways to connect with another human being instantly when I grew up in rural Saskatchewan where we had a party line. You know, like nine families shared a phone line, which that's a whole different conversation. But but that's still part of my grown up, growing up experience. And how we adapt to this in such a fast changing time, I, I'm fascinated to see in 50 years what, what will be said when they look back at what transpired here um, and how we coped or didn't cope. It's going to be amazing. And I appreciate the work that you do on this topic because I think that this conversation just needs to be happening more. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for contributing to today's show. I think, you know, I, I look forward to following your work and, and really, you know, seeing where this whole space of subject matter experts goes, because so much is changing. And uh, just like everything else, but for a lot of them, they're so reliant on technology and just trying to figure out what's that best multimodal way, you know, what's the next thing? Is it going to be, you know, are we going to go back to something we did before? Or are we going to do something totally new? And, and to just keep in touch with that is is really exciting. So I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, look forward to following it. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your humor and your just your wonderful energy. Thank you, Jay. Much appreciated. We'll, 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 let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for my digital selfers out there, thank you for hanging with us today. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And uh, so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And until then, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. 
Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.